Hello and welcome to Views from the Market, Mid-Market Private Equity and M&A in Canada. My name is Mario Negro. I'm a partner in the M&A and Private Equity Group at Steichman Elliott. For today's podcast, I'd like to welcome Vanessa Yalocci. Vanessa is the Chief Executive Officer of Brain Power Enrichment Programs, a company that focuses on after-school and seasonal private education programs for high-achieving students. Vanessa, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you, Mario. Thanks for the invite. I, there's so much to talk about, but I want to start a bit about your history. You have a great uh, history, and then we can jump into um, into brain power and talk a bit about the whole story behind you and brain power. Maybe we'll start first with just a little bit about yourself. Sure. So uh, I started my career actually as a CA and CPA at PwC. Spent a bunch of time in um, M&A, at corporate roles at a, at a large Canadian bank, and always really wanted to do something entrepreneurial. So took the jump into a turnaround in 2016 of an insolvent school uniform company and realized that I really loved the chaos and challenge of running a mid-market business. And so when that was done, I looked for my next venture and... That's the summary. And you kind of led me into the next venture. Yeah. Uh, you were a successful CEO. Uh, you obviously had had experience um, in different varieties of corporate finance. But I know at some point here, you you wanted to be an owner more than you didn't just want to be a CEO. You wanted to be more than a CEO. You wanted to be an owner. So t- tell us a bit about how you decided you kind of wanted to take it to another level. Sure. It's a good question. I think that there's really two reasons. The first is... You know, when you're a CEO of a mid-market company, there's really no off switch. There's a permanent dull pressure that either really drives you or makes you not want to be a CEO anymore. And I was in the first category. I loved doing this. I loved building companies. And therefore, I wanted to be in a position to really capture some of the value that I was creating. And, you know, that's the essence of ownership. So that's certainly the first reason And I think the second reason I wanted to be an owner is I think it's really important in in the mid-market to be able to set the vision that you want to be accountable to. And I think when you have a really complex ownership structure where you're just an employee, it becomes harder and harder to set that vision and really own where you want to go. So there was the financial motivation, but there was also the intangible ownership of really building something amazing. Vanessa, you obviously come with an incredible amount of experience as a CEO, but obviously raising capital and finding a deal wasn't something you had uh, done every day. It was a new experience for you. So (laughs) where did did you go from there? Like, how did did you get to raising money and how did you get to now we're going to, you know, come to brain power because that's, you you know, you ended up putting together the capital and closing the deal to buy brain power. So how did that all play out? So, you, you know, another good question. And I wish I had a really sophisticated answer for you to this one, Mario, but I'm going to be really honest. I was exiting um, my last transaction. We had a very successful exit and I was in, in the process of really thinking what I wanted to do next. And I knew I wanted to be an owner. Um, I didn't know a lot about where to start, even though I had worked in mid-market m and I had really not worked on the buy side. And so I was introduced through my own personal network to the search fund model and search fund model really involves, you know, a group of investors willing to back an entrepreneur and, and provide some meaningful equity in the process. 
And that's really how I, I raise the capital. I, I think it's really important for other people who are in a situation like me to know, you know, you don't have to be an expert on the buy side to do this because the actual search fund is really the expert on, in terms of the equity raise. Vanessa, so you, you're introduced to the search fund model. You obviously got mm -hmm. the taste for wanting to, to buy and own a business. Uh, and then comes the question of how brain power came to be and why brain power? What was the thesis for you behind brain power? And maybe this is uh, the part that I think is most interesting about your story, which is uh, how you came to find this business. But and more importantly, what's the thesis behind this business and the opportunity for you? What excites you about it? Yeah, so sure. Uh, so I'm a bit of an atypical searcher in that I, I am a little older than the average bear. I mean, I'm in my 40s. And I, and I think, again, that's important to highlight um, for others who, who might be in a similar life stage. And I, I worked at a lot of companies where I was really excited about the people, about the growth story, et cetera, et cetera, but not super passionate about the industry. And so I knew my personal passion has always been education. I actually teach at U of T and I'm an executive in residence there and I do all kinds of mentorship programs. And so I thought if I could somehow marry my very strong passion for education with my motivation and interest in business, that that would be a winning formula for me personally. So when I started off searching, I think I had cast a pretty broad net and uh, got the advice to really make a commitment to a space to search in. And so that was an easy decision. I felt education was the right space for me. And so I focused solely on that space um, because, because of the personal, personal interest. And, you know, it, it's great to have a personal interest and I love education, but there you're right. There has to be a thesis because at the end of the day, this is a business and there has to be an investment thesis so uh, what really solidified my interest in the education space was understanding two things. First, the, the total addressable market. And I think to put it simply, every human on the planet spends 20 years of their life getting educated. So that's a pretty darn big market. And uh, second, there's a lot of disruption going on in education. I think between COVID, between you know, what's happening in terms of the workforce of the future and how our kids need to get ready for that workforce. Um, the political realities of funding public education, all these things together in the soup bowl make for a really interesting a set of opportunities within education. And, you know, then it, then it became, okay, what exactly within this massive market am I interested in? And, you know, I, I looked at a few tech plays and, you know, they were interesting for sure. And economics were amazing, but I didn't really get the purposeful side out of those businesses. I didn't really feel my need to find something purposeful. So when I came across Brain Power, there was a few things that really attracted me to the opportunity. The first was the focus on the um, enrichment segments within education. And what that really means is, there's so much need in the system and we spend a lot of time talking about, you know, the needs um, at, the, at, you know, at the so-called bottom end of the tail, the kids that need a lot of remedial help and gosh, like it's so true. They absolutely do. But we don't really spend a lot of time talking about the need at the, you know, the other end of the tail, which is there are really smart, high achieving kids 
And just like, uh, you know, a hockey player might want to play select hockey, those there is a cohort of children that really love learning and the challenge and want to participate in math competitions and public speaking competitions. And so I was really engaged with this niche that BrainPower had carved out for itself, which was developing really challenging and fun and engaging programming specifically for that segment and working directly with the kids. So it's not a product business. You know, we're not selling a platform or a learning management system or like some AI solution. We're actually legitimately connecting expert PhD educators with really smart kids. And, you know, just a few weeks in, I have to say, it's pretty amazing to see the magic of those two groups coming together and, and to be a part of that. And I think if you're a kid that is interested in this space, what an amazing opportunity. I think, you know, there's lots of opportunity to scale what BrainPower is doing across Canada and the U.S. I have to ask you, Vanessa, you, you are, you, know, you come with a unique perspective to the objective of buying a business. And so you now have purchased BrainPower. And, and when you look back, what was the hardest part about this process? You know, was it raising money? Was it finding the deal? Was it closing the deal? Was it the M&A process? When you talk about buying a business and you look back and you think to yourself, I did it, you know, and I would say, uh, you know, you bought a great company here. When, when you think, what was what was the hardest part for you in getting this deal done? Yeah, you know, getting a deal over the finish line is always challenging. And I think that's going to be unique to any deal. I would say what was challenging for me was this is a relatively smaller company and I was running a company that was uh, fairly larger than this and been at larger organizations. So for me, it was taking the leap to say, I'm actually going to throw my weight behind a scale up and I'm going to hold myself accountable for making it work. And it's pretty nerve wracking putting yourself out there with that kind of commitment when you have investors and when you see your name on a tombstone on LinkedIn, it's, it's a different kind of um, personal target I've set for myself. And I'd say that was new for me and the most challenging part. And, you know, we don't, we often don't see a lot of women like yourself who, you know, take it to that the level of buying a business, you know, really raising the capital, get, you know. What do you think? Why don't we see more women doing what you're doing? Yeah, I, I actually think it's what I just said. You know, you just asked me, what is the hardest part of this transaction for me? And like, if you've ever done a mid-market M&A deal, you know, there's a lot of hard parts of the transaction, raising money, doing the model, closing the deal, doing the legals, investor presentations. And, and out of all that, I said the hardest part was actually putting a stake in the ground that, that I was going to be the CEO and I was going to own this outcome. And I think, you know, as, as females, you know, it goes back to the standards, you get uh, rewarded for being nice and for being a really, really good number two. And, you know, often when you, when you want to be in the hot seat as a CEO, there, there is a lot of pushback and questioning. I had loads of people ask me along the way, you know, why are you doing this? Why wouldn't you go and sit on boards at this point or go get a job? You know, why do you need to take this risk? Are you sure? And, you know, for, for all of those questions, you have to have the confidence to say, yes, I'm sure I believe in myself. And, and I think that's hard for a lot of women. I'm going to be really honest. I think, think, I think that's a big part of the barrier. Uh, I think the second part is just not knowing 
that the opportunity to do this exists. So I feel really lucky. I was introduced to Sage Capital by a former colleague of mine from PwC. And, you know, that's how I became aware of the opportunity to do this. I don't know that everyone has the same network or introduction. And Sage was a, an investor, one of your key, key investors. Yes. Sage Capital was my primary backer. You said it. You're, the, you're an owner. You, uh, you also own the future of this right. opportunity. Uh, and so I, you know, I always ask our guests the crystal ball question. And in, in this case, I obviously focus it on uh, you growing a business and the challenges associated with growing this business. What is the future for you and BrainPower? What are you focused on? Where, where does this all go? Sure. So, I mean, I believe in, in what BrainPower is doing right now in terms of the programs and the offering. So I think if I were to really simplify the goal, I would say we really want to take what we're doing in the GTA and reach more students and create more impact. And that will essentially mean growing our geographic reach through locations and through our virtual offering across Canada, you know, maybe in the U.S. one day as well. And, you know, I think order of magnitude, we're, we're thinking that we want to reach up to seven to 10,000 students one day. Um, I think the secondary part of the growth that really excites me is there we have this amazing staff of PhD educators. And if you follow higher education, you know that, you know, even the people within many universities will tell you that the system is somewhat broken in terms of the number of PhD graduates that exist versus the number of teaching roles. So I think the opportunity to share these incredible minds with students who want to be connected with them. I think that's a pretty amazing privilege that I have to be able to facilitate that kind of connection through brain power. When you think about the future, and, and obviously now you're also an owner, uh, and so you're, you know, you're driven, obviously, uh, with the intent of, of wanting to see a successful outcome. What, what would you say for you is the successful outcome for brain power? When you look at this business today and where you want to go, is it is it monetary? Is it um, you know? I mean, you mentioned seven to ten thousand students. Is it tied to the number of people you serve? Is it locations? Is it? Um, I want to get a sense of how you're looking at at the growth of this business uh, and how you kind of driving your decision making as a CEO, but also as an owner. Sure. So, I do think you know the goal regarding the impact created. So the number of students we reach. I do think that's the primary goal because I think all of the other goals naturally stem from achieving that. So I know a lot of owners and CEOs will set a financial target for themselves, but really like, you know, when you're doing the Excel model, it's all fine and good to have a financial target. But when you're actually running a small business, you have to be creating some kind of value in the world. Otherwise there's no value in the business. So I think staying focused on creating value in our niche is really going to take care of the financial goal and, and all the other secondary goals that come from it. So I'm staying focused. And, you know, as, as I get dragged into the day-to-day things, I, you know, I've, I've done up my timesheet to say, you know, I better be spending at least half my day thinking about how to reach more students, because that, that is going to be the driver of all subsequent successful outcomes. One last question, if I could, it's a unique question for you. You have been the CEO of a bigger company, and now you transition down to a CEO of a smaller company. 
when you look at the role you're playing now and the challenges you face of a smaller company, what do you find? And I guess this is also relates to where you probably want to take brain power. What do you find is the greatest challenge of being the CEO of a, of a smaller company, of a, of a growing company, of a more entrepreneurial company? What have you noticed given that you, you know, you've had the opportunity to work with a lot bigger company, more resources? Uh, what do you notice? And, I, and obviously connected to that is part of your growth plan must be to deal with some of those challenges. But what do you think the biggest challenges of being a CEO of a smaller company? Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm a little bit lucky because I'm not coming right out of, you know, I was at TD Bank. I already experienced the shock of moving from a large corporation to mid-market company, you know, in my, my first round as a private market CEO. And I would say in that experience, there was definitely, you know, a massive shock on the resource side of things. And, you know, the the, the example I always give, and it's a bit of an unfortunate example, is in, in my first week ever as a CEO, someone asked me to approve the budget for the toilet paper. And I realized I had never really thought about that as being a cost in the business. Or it had never occurred to me that I would have to worry about cost to that micro level. And so uh, the resource shock is definitely a big differentiator. There's a lot of things you take for granted in large corporate you know, coffee machines and lunches and first class plane tickets, like none of that exists when, when you're running a small business. So that's the sort of general observation. I would say at BrainPower, I think the challenge is really going to be we have this amazing team and uh, they work really hard. And how do you take one amazing location and actually replicate that? Because, you know, the second location hasn't happened yet. So I think you know, a business that's already successfully replicated itself and is on a growth path, you know, you're really just executing a playbook at, the, at that point. I think for brain power, we really have to pick our spots and create the right playbook so we replicate right. Because I think there's probably a thousand things we could do wrong if we don't pick our focus area and stick to our focus. Last point, I want to give you the chance to direct people to BrainPower. What, what, what's BrainPower's website? If they want to learn more, Vanessa, where could, yes. where could, they, where could they learn more? <laughs> Please do learn more. <laughs> the website is <laughs> www.brainpower, uh, spelled as it sounds, .ca, brainpower.ca. We also have an Instagram handle, BrainPower Enrichment Programs. And if you go to the website, you'll find out more about our annual programs in problem-solving, communication, public speaking, and admissions, and also better, very cool summer camps. And our Toronto location is just buzzing with activity right now, and we just opened our second location in Hamilton. We also have a full virtual school. So I was, I'm, I'm actually really excited seeing the virtual registrations come in. I just saw someone register from BC this morning, and uh, yesterday we had someone from India sign up. So that's really exciting. And it's all year round, right, Vanessa? These programs are all year round. They're from how old? From from what's the age? Rich yeah, age so, groups? so grade one to 12. Yeah. And we have uh, three types of programs. One is our annual programs that run September to June alongside school. Uh, the second type of programs are annual workshops. So those are, you know, maybe a couple of months during the school year. So if you want to take public speaking, but only for two months, we have shorter options. And then the third type of program is our summer program. Those are a little um, shorter. 
and maybe a little less intense don't require an intake assessment because again, these are enrichment programs. So for a full year programs, you do have to assess in. These kids are pretty high achieving. I have to say it's uh, pretty amazing to see them in action. And, and so you sort of have to be up for the challenge and, and have really motivated students to take full advantage of what we're offering. Well, Vanessa, thank you for joining us. It's been a great story to, to, you know, to learn about you and learn about the, uh, the purchase, you know, all the work you did raising capital, finding a deal, closing a deal, and then building this great company called BrainPower. So congratulations on, on the acquisition. Gradu- you know, Best wishes for the growth and, and thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity, Mario.